Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Actually, we don't do that anymore, do we? We say, uh, I don't know what we say. Did you miss me while I was gone? It's okay to say you didn't. I understand. Uh, I was sick. I had the flu. But I got a COVID test, and that came out negative. Now I'm being told I should get another test, because sometimes the first one's a false negative. I don't know. So I may do that. I got a guy working for me whose uh, daughter-in-law is expecting, and he's real paranoid about transmitting viruses to her. So that's the main reason I would probably get another test. So that's the second test I've gotten. I can't remember why I got the first one. Uh, but I got the second one, you know, because the Omicron symptoms apparently mimic the flu, which is, you know, I just read that Saturday, or Friday, I guess, when I got it. And I thought, eh, I better get this checked out. Because now they do have drugs that are antivirals that apparently are effective. So you want to you wanna use those. Even though Omicron symptoms, for those of us who are like belt suspenders and um, whatever else, uh, triple vaxxed, vaxxed and boosted. And I've got two different mRNA vaxes. I got the the Pfizer Moderna and, or the Pfizer BioNTech and the Moderna. So, um, you know, I'm not too scared of Omicron actually, but... I'd still prefer not to get it. So, I'm kind of back on the N95s. If I'm going to wear a mask, I'm going to wear an N95. So, in the news today, I'm just watching the uh, the, the A block of the news with Shepard Smith, uh, X-Fox. And there's two things. One is airplanes falling out of the sky. Because this 5G thing, and it's like, didn't somebody, like, think of this before? You know, they've been talking about this 5G thing with cell phones for years. And it's supposedly, like, 10,000 times faster than what you got now. Well, I can't keep up with what I got now. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, this thing is going to be way too fast for me. So, uh, anyway, supposedly it it's on the same frequency as, like, the altimeters. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> the idea is that if it's like cloudy and they can't see on the altimeter how high they are, they may auger the thing in. You know, so first you got to worry about your 767 max or whatever it is, just augering in, and then you got to worry about the altimeter reading bad because some knucklehead has a cell phone. And I don't know what to make of all that, but. Uh, they've kind of put a hold on it, like they're going to turn the 5G off when it's cloudy out. So you can imagine if you're in, like, Seattle, God help you then, anyway, or San Francisco, or London, you know, they have fog there, not as much now with the with the green movement. But, you know, this is all wacky. And then it's, uh, I put a post out on Facebook about you know, Putin against Biden and this whole Ukraine thing is like a chess grandmaster against a checkers uh, kindergarten flunk out. You know, I mean, it's he, he Putin's just playing us like a drum. And it occurred to me that, you know, if you look at the grand scheme of World War II, the big winners were the Russians. And then they had this communist implosion, but now they're back. 
And the Chinese were the big winners. Why is that? Because Russia essentially neutralized Germany forever. I mean, there's an article in here I'll I'll mention about, uh, you know, they're they're obsessed with, like, green energy, and they think nuclear is not green, which is, like, imbecilic thinking. So the Germans are, are neutered. And the Japanese on the Chinese uh, front are neutered. So both Russia and China knocked out their biggest proximate enemy in World War II, as it turns out. And now the United States, which was the instrument of their deliverance, is probably on the verge of, of a breakup, in my opinion. So it'll come down to Russia and China in, a, in, the, in the finals, and I'm betting on China, because the Russians aren't terribly productive, you know what I mean? So the economy will out. So anyway, on that bright note, we begin. Uh, let's see. Now the next bullet to dodge, I got the week and the trib here. The next bullet to dodge is price controls, and I've been waiting for this. You know, Biden is making the case that it's not his fault that there's inflation, and it had nothing to do, of course, with this unnecessary stimulus we had that pumped money into the uh, system just at a time when demand was exploding and supply was constrained and the virus is not contained. So they're blaming profiteering. So here's Isabella Weber and The Guardian, which is way left, wanting wage, not wage controls, just price controls this time. So the wages can go up to high heaven, but your prices are locked, meaning, you know, you're going to you're gonna break companies and create supply shortages. I mean, it's so stupid. Meg Jacobs in the New York Times, right on board with that, and she cites a number of presidents, Truman in 46, Johnson and Kennedy and Nixon, and it takes... Joe Lancaster and reason to point out that all these were a disaster. A disaster. They create black markets. Uh, they squeeze margins. Small businesses go out. Nixon did it in 71, ended in 74, and he had this huge catch-up inflation. And that led to... It, it's just a disaster, and that's the next bullet to dodge. I certainly hope that... I don't know. I mean, who knows what happens next. I'm almost hoping I won't be around to see it because the next three years here are going to be, uh, including 2022, I mean, this could be it. But anyway, uh, and there's an anti-work forum on Reddit that has uh, 1.6 million idlers as members. And then there's this laying down movement overseas I think in Asia mostly, like China. So, you know, the the more free lunch you get, hell, I probably never would have gone and gotten a job if, if, if I lived in a socialist country. Why not just take the free money? I wasn't particularly ambitious as a youth. I'm still not, really. Now, here's on a lighter note. It must be true, I read it in the tabloids. An Irishman was arrested in Bucharest for allegedly breaking into Romania's presidential palace at 4 a.m., after drunkenly mistaking it for his hotel. The un, unnamed man, who probably couldn't even remember his name, got to the third floor, uh, second largest government building in the world after the Pentagon. Uh, 
You may recall the Ceausescu, uh, I'm sure they, that couple put it together. And somehow he evaded security. After sobering up, he told police he'd been partying, partying of course, in Bucharest's old town and couldn't remember walking into the 3,000-room palace. Uh, it is a mystery how he got in, a source told the Irish son. Well, you know, that's son, S-U-N. Well, sons of Aaron are uh, very uh, resourceful after they've had a few drinks and then overserved. So that's like, you know, a little lighthearted January 6th counterpoint, right? If an Irishman breaks into your house, it's probably because he doesn't know it's not his house. Uh, now... Here's wit and wisdom, quotes, It's not true that suffering ennobles the character. Happiness does that sometimes. But suffering, for the most part, makes men petty and vindictive, said one of my favorite authors, Somerset Mom. And I think that's true. I've become petty and vindictive. And I've suffered. I'm a lot more magnanimous in victory. Uh, the Pope says pets shouldn't replace babies. And this is my theme of, you know, uh, fertility uh, going down, people getting pets to replace children. Like our, our our dog, Louie, was kind of a surrogate child. And, you know, you move sex from re- procreation to recreation. That's what the Pope is talking about. And he ticked a lot of people off, actually. Um, he calls people selfish for not having children. And... Uh, some woman here finds that insulting. Uh, but there's a point to be had. And I'm all for the end of the human race, frankly. But uh, So I'm no longer getting the middle of that divide. But we'll get to that later. Uh, poll Watch, 68% of adults say the events at the Capitol on January 6th are a sign. And the Democrats have like made this like a new national... Pearl Harbor Day or something. I don't know how smart that is because it just opens the wounds. You know, after the Civil War, Lincoln said, you know, let's let's heal. Well, that's over. We're, we're reopening those wounds, pulling the stitches out. Um, and we know where that's going to go. 68% of adults say the events at the Capitol on January 6th are a sign that the U.S. faces increasing political violence in the coming years. I think that's true. 32% only say it was an isolated incident. 66% say U.S. democracy is threatened. I certainly agree with that. 33% say it's secure. So two to one on both of those folks. Uh, 85% of Democrats called January 6th an insurrection. 56% describe it as defending freedom. So one, man, one man's uh, freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. And that's where we're at, folks. I wish it wasn't, say it ain't so, Joe, but it is, you know what I mean? Now, there's an article here about the pandemic's effect on uh, education and the psychological damage to youth, which Trump talked about, and, you know, nobody listened. The teachers' union shut down CPS again. So, basically, you know, we're not providing education anymore as government. We're not providing security anymore. Uh, either domestically, and to some extent, that's starting to break down internationally. When you stop delivering the citizens' value for their tax dollars and their allegiance, 
and you have a professional military uh, that requires a great deal of money, uh, but doesn't really have anyone who's willing to to die for their country on a voluntary basis. That is the path. I remember when they put the voluntary military, and I thought that's a bad sign because that's what happened in, in the Roman Republic. They they ceased to rely on volunteers to fight the wars, and before you know it, military was running the country. So. Not good, folks. Not good. Now, here's the article. A woman named Teresa Christman, uh, in a German publication, which is online. Uh, you know, natural gas and nuclear power are not sustainable. Uh, could doom us to a nightmarish future. Well, I'm not so sure about that. This Tonga volcano created a new island. So you'll, you'll win some islands, you lose some islands. And all we need is a Krakatoa or something, or a nuclear war, and you're going to have a nuclear winner, right? Or, so, anyway. Or one meteor, you know? And then you'll, you'll look fondly back on the global warming days. Anyway. Here's a thing from the UK. Claire Fogg's in the Times, which is the old foggy newspaper. Britons are so afraid of being called racist that they are turning a blind eye to crime, I will say. And I think we're doing the same thing here. Uh, in this case, it's abuse of women by uh, British Muslim men. We have different problems, which we are turning a blind eye to. And I, I call these people up here ostriches. It's like you can put your head in the sand, but an ostrich can still get its ass kicked. You know what I mean? And that's what's happening here. Now, uh, facing off against Russia over Ukraine, Le Monde, the French uh, paper, says, you know, we wanted to negotiate with the Russians, but we didn't want to do it with a gun to your head. Well, that's the only way the Russians negotiate, folks. So, and then, of course, uh, Biden said to the Ukraine, that nothing about you will be done without you. And then he went ahead and had bilateral talks. And that, that means those are the kinds of talks we had about Afghanistan and Vietnam. And what that means is if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. You know what I mean? So we know where that's going. And here's a... There's a, there's a newspaper or some kind of a media outlet named Pravda... In Slovakia, Pravda meaning truth in Russian. I don't know if it means that in Slovak. But that was always kind of a ironic title, because anything you saw in Pravda was anything but the truth. So this author, Marian Repa, says that uh, this whole initiative by Putin could backfire, because it's kind of awakening the United States as well as European countries, including... Finland, which has been a victim of Russia in the past, and Sweden, which is a traditional rival, uh, to the fact that maybe they better get their act together vis-a-vis Russia. But I don't think that's... The glass, I don't think, is... I don't think that glass is half full. I think it's half empty, and it's got a big hole in the bottom. Let's see, U.S. at a glance. Now, if you want to know... 
there's an article later in, I'm going backwards here, like Merlin, but there's an article in here about Civil War and uh, de-unification de of the states, basically. A separate a division of, of North and South, or Blue and Red. And they say, well, there's no catalyst. There's no main issue. Well, slavery was the issue that divided the states in 1861. I think abortion, Roe v. Wade could be the the straw that breaks the camel's back. And here's an example. A fire destroyed a Planned Parenthood clinic in Knoxville, Tennessee by arson. Okay. People feel strongly about this. And here's the article, America's Schism. Are we headed for civil war? Um, polling results, 40% of Republicans... 23% of Democrats feel that uh, violent attacks on government are sometimes justified. And we've had that. We had, in Portland, we had attacks on the federal government and in D.C. by the left and right. Uh, majority Republicans, a majority, and 41% of Biden voters agree it may be time to split the country. And I, I'm there, to tell you the truth. I think it would be better to have two happy countries than one miserable one. And uh, both sides think the election rules are rigged, so that makes it more and more likely neither party will view a victory by the other side as legitimate, says Zach Beauchamp in box. And I agree. I and mean, can you imagine a peaceful transfer of power in 2024? I can't. Because the the Democrats will say that the Republicans are, you know, uh, stopping people from voting, and the Republicans will pull out the stop the steal thing. Now there's a scenario Lincoln Mitchell puts out here that it would be uh, militias with high-powered explosive and assault weapons. I don't know about that. David Smith, the once unthinkable has become thinkable. Uh, look at Northern Ireland. Uh, Michelle Goldberg in the New York Times says civil war isn't inevitable, but even greater conflict than we've seen in recent years seems more likely than a return to normal democratic stability. I think the only way to stop that is to get a third party that's a sensible center. And I tweeted that to Adam Kinzinger, who's apparently being thrown out of the Republican caucus, along with... Uh, Liz Cheney. So, now, if you want to talk about European military strength, uh, the Norwegian, now Norway is my ancestral home before Ireland. Uh, this is the Vikings. But they've been pacified too. Christianity pacifies people. Not all people, but them. Norwegian military announced that due to shortages, soldiers must turn in underwear issued during their mandatory military service so it can be recycled to new conscripts. Now, they do have mandatory military service, which I think is good. But, you know, obviously not well funded. But Norwegians are cheap, you know. Okay, here's the January 6th anniversary. And the Democrats actually had a candlelight vigil. All dressed in black, all masked, candles in their hands. I mean, come on. 
And Biden made this fiery speech, and there's a bunch of commentary, both sides of it, as there always is, but the one that resonated with me was from the New York Post, which is conservative. Uh, Michael Goodwin says, the Democratic Party's trying to criminalize political opposition and paint all Trump voters, including the millions who were nowhere near the Capitol during the riot, as enemies of the state. That's a far greater danger to democracy than anything that happened on January 6th. I think that's right. Okay, now, that was the week. Now, in the Tribune, literally, there was nothing worth mentioning. So that paper is getting worse and worse, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, From Parade Magazine, there's an article energy boosters for dark days because, you know, a lot of people have this seasonal affective disorder. I don't get out much, so I don't even know. Is it winter? What year is it? But anyway, uh, there's some tips there. Uh, Let's see if I wanted to share any of these. Practice positive self-talk and focus on how happy you'll feel when you accomplish a goal. Take a walk during sunny hours. Watch your six in the city of Chicago. Uh, Fish, salmon and swordfish. Vitamin D enhanced yogurt or a nutritional shake. Uh, Eggs or fortified cereal. A lot of vitamin D. Okay. So I'm, that's a keeper. I need more energy. Telling you. Got a new job, by the way, two days a week for a decent pay. So now I'm supposedly working, uh, what, 40 hours, 50 hours a week. But I'm not. So I got to get my, I got to make up like 200 hours. It's kind of like finals at Marquette, you know. Now there's an interesting article in here about a guy in Chicago Magazine, which comes still comes with my Tribune, even though I didn't subscribe. Uh, about this guy from Vietnam who was a gangbanger and killed a guy. And then he got hired by Leo Burnett because it turns out he's a great act artist. And he, this was in Kansas. He's married. He's got two kids. You know, and they found out that he was a murderer after they hired him. And they still hired him, which is interesting. Um, and he's trying to be a peacemaker in Chicago. So, you know, I think he'd be an interesting guy to uh, talk to about this gang violence because he says he went into the gang thing because, you know, it was a tough hood and nobody liked the Vietnamese, so they had their own gang to defend themselves against the black gangs and the Hispanic gangs in this rough neighborhood he was in. And then he decided when he was 13 that he was either going to get rich or die trying like the rap songs go at 18. So people say this is like poverty, but it's really, you know, that that gangster lifestyle. Uh, so, you know, I don't buy the... Now, obviously, if you were born rich, you probably wouldn't go out and join a street gang. I give you that. But this is a guy who was very talented if you just plied his trade, he would have been fine. He wouldn't have killed somebody, you know? So, I'm keeping that. 
Now, here's an interview with a fashion designer named Cynthia Rowley who grew up in uh, Winnetka or Barrington, uh, cake eater type, you know. She is a pathological optimist, and I'm a pathological pessimist, but it seems like that optimism is working out better for people. So I'm trying, you know. But I said to my wife, you know, I mean, you're, you're trying to, I need a personality transplant to be an optimist, you know. I mean, it's just not me. If you're a South Sider, I think it's hard to be an optimist. So, what else have we got here? Now, here's an article about uh, the mayor. And I've actually kind of, she has risen a little bit in my self, in my evaluation, because she's the only one talking tough on crime. Now, it is election time. And she did run on law and order. <laughs> so, uh, this is an article by Edward Robert McClellan. I don't know who he is, but he's a very good writer. A writer worth reading. And that's what I like to aspire to be. Uh, he quotes a poll by an outfit called Ogden and Fry, conducted for Fox 32. 62% of Chicagoans don't believe she deserves re-election. That includes me. Um, but she's not alone. The year before she was elected, we had 547 homicides. Last year, we had 780, and I think that's a low-ball number. I remember seeing an 812 number. What, did some of these people pull a Jesus, come back to life? I don't think so. Carjackings up 43% in 2020, and I know they're higher than that now. Matthew Podgorski conducted the Ogden and Fry poll, one of the major issues she ran on was that she's going to take control of the crime issue. 75% of the voters disapprove of how she's handling it. WBGX host Mays Jackson, I don't know what BGX is, but uh, the number one thing has got to be violence in the city. When people saw downtown go up, that's where she lost the core of her base, the north side. Now, the same people that elected Lori Lightfoot are the same people that can elect a law and order candidate. Paul Vallis is trying to run. Well, I got news for you. He, nobody of his complexion is going to be mayor of Chicago again. He got 5% of the vote. He needs the money. He ain't going to get it. I wouldn't even donate to him. I try not to donate to any politician. But the Ogden and Fry poll showed her Lightfoot losing to Vallis. Lightfoot losing to Arnie Duncan, who's also got pigmentation issues. And then here's my guy, Raymond Lopez. I think we need an Hispanic mayor. And then Anthony Beal. I don't know who he is. He's an alderman. Lightfoot was elected as a political outsider and anti-corruption. I voted for her because it was either her or Preckwinkle. I figured she'd be less corrupt. But I've learned there are many worse things than corruption, one of them being incompetence. The other being wokeness. Now she's got hundreds of millions of dollars of federal money. And the, the future of the city, if things keep going this way, it's basically to be a Puerto Rico. All the money moves out. All the retailers, the rich people, the property values go to affordable housing levels. And the city cannot support itself, so therefore... They have to rely on the feds. Now, what happens if the federal government goes Republican? 
<laughs> you think they're going to get a dime? I mean, that's das Ende, as they say in German. So, uh, in the black community, 49% don't want to see her reelected. So, I think Mays Jackson is black. Uh, and, and that's only because they figure this is their last shot to have a black population, or black mayor, because of the declining population through emigration and through attrition. People who get killed can't vote. <laughs> so it's not good politics. So that's a keeper for me. But I think Lopez is the guy. I don't see another chalky white male as being the next mayor of Chicago. So anyway, that's it. So half an hour. We got through three publications in one half hour. Not bad. And I, of course, have to get to work. Because it's six thirty and I've only got one thing done out of a list of many more things. And tomorrow I have to actually go into an office. So I think that's actually good, though, because I've got too many temptations here. I'm like, I was going to say last temptation of Christ, but that's sacrilegious. So, um, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work I go tomorrow. And two days a week I'll be in the office. And I actually wouldn't mind making that more than two days a week because we'll see how it goes, but... I think being back in a desk and a chair and no TV and no bed, you know, (laughs) might help me get some stuff done here. I'm old school, right? So anyway, uh, live long, prosper. I am back on the mask uh, train. Going to wear the N95 if I'm going to wear a mask at all. It's like the Dos Equis guys. I'm... Far from the most interesting man in the world. But to to paraphrase his commercial, I don't always wear a mask. But when I do, it's an N95. And the CDC has endorsed my position. But I was way ahead of them, folks. And, of course, the reason they didn't take that before is they wanted to make sure that the healthcare workers got their masks. So they told you to wear, like, a, whatever those things are you wear around your neck, a, which is probably close to useless. But something is better than nothing, right? So anyway, that's it. Live long, prosper, and we will uh, be back again someday, like Frosty the Snowman. Stay warm, by the way. I have to venture outside now. So wish me luck that I don't freeze to death or get robbed. Isn't it great to live in this city? I'm on, I'm on a next door thing, and they're like, all we hear about is negative news. Let's have some positive news. And I'm like, hmm, well, <clears throat> I don't know. Let me think. And I'm still thinking. But I said the lake, you know, because the lake, I, I remember playing South Shore with my cousin last year, and, I, you know, the grass and the trees and the water, they don't care what happens with all these little ants running around on them. They just stay there, serene and green and blue, and they wait for the, you know, first it was the indigenous, and now it's us, and we'll move on too, so, and they'll still be here. So anyway, with that cheery note, 
I will close. Bye-bye.